Hello and welcome to Let the Boys Watch Football, a fantasy football strategy and advice podcast. I'm your host, Alex Howard, and today, July 11th, uh, we will be discussing middle round draft strategy, positional advantage, and roster construction. But before we dive in, I want to quickly cover a couple of terms that will come up throughout the podcast. The first one being positional advantage. I know we touched on it a bit last week, but I wanted to provide some extra context around positional advantage. When we refer to positional advantage, we are thinking about what type of points advantage we are getting on a week-to-week basis in a given position group. So the key, the key uh, position group that we would probably focus on is the running back position. And this is why many of the top picks in drafts year after year are typically running backs. There's a huge difference between the first overall running back in terms of where they finish on the season with points versus running back number eight, running back number 12, and so on. In 2021, the running back one finished with 312 points, while the running back eight finished with only 212 points. So about a 100, 100 point difference between the running back number one versus the running back number eight. So there's a major advantage if you are able to identify that top running back. Looking down, there's positional advantage at every position, uh, but we need to identify which positions have that greater gap so we can know where to prioritize our picks. Wide receiver one last year finished with 299 points, while wide receiver eight finished with 207. So a significantly smaller gap between those two players compared to the running backs. At the quarterback position, quarterback number one finished with 413 points, while QB four finished with 352 points. So what is that about a 60 point gap between number one and number four? And then at tight end, tight end is an interesting one. Travis Kelsey, number one last year with 254 points. And I took a look, the tight end two finished with 170 points. So there is a major gap in between number one and number two, at least there was last year. And we'll see if it happens again this year. Roster construction. So roster construction, uh, we will be emphasizing today. And this is simply how you build your team in a well-rounded way, in a way that uh, fills all the all the different gaps and starting positions and gives you depth and security if you have some riskier picks early on. Every league is structured differently. So you may have 10 teams or 12. Passing touchdowns may be worth four points or six. You may have kicker points uh, allocated differently from one league to the next. Same with defense. Make sure to take a look at your league settings and understand how points are scored and how it might differ from other leagues so that you understand where to prioritize your picks. Without any further ado, let's get into the podcast. So to recap from last week, Last week, we talked about early rounds uh, strategy, and uh, the way I define that, I I think of it in three separate 
uh, groups, if you will. Rounds one and two are in those early rounds. And then three through eight takes you to about the halfway point of your draft. And I call those the middle rounds. And then everything after that would be the late rounds. So last week we talked about uh, top tier running backs often win the most fantasy championships. And we talked about this with with positional advantage. Uh, the top tier running backs, because there are so few workhorse running backs in the NFL, the ones who end up with the most carries and the most touchdowns and the most yards uh, are going to be outliers compared to the vast majority of running backs. So if you're able to get somebody who you think will finish in the top of the running back group, my recommendation would be to, to start there. Top, top tier wide receivers should give you more consistent, predictable production. Uh, you're able to find wide receivers all throughout the first one, two, three rounds who have the upside to potentially give you that positional advantage and at the very least should be more likely to stay healthy, to produce consistently, and uh, they will also be valuable to your team. We covered Travis Kelsey jumping into the first round of this year's draft and Patrick Mahomes jumping into the second round of this year's draft, which shows me that we're very trusting of the two of them and for good reason. They're excellent and they they produce consistently year after year. But just know that if you're taking Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes or both, uh, you are going to be exposing yourself to a bit more risk because you are foregoing the chance to get one of those elite running backs, receivers. And uh, if they underperform or, or get injured or anything like that, that could be it for your season. And lastly, remember to take the best available players in the first two rounds. I know that sounds intuitive, but uh, when you're in the first two rounds, you might take two wide receivers first, or you might take two running backs first. You may even take a tight end or a quarterback in the first two rounds. But if you're getting value in the first two rounds and you're taking the best available player, there's plenty of time in the middle rounds and even the late rounds to start to round out your roster. And that's what we'll be talking about today. Like we've talked about, the third round is where roster construction really starts to come into play. Did you draft a high variance elite running back with your first pick and a high floor wide receiver with your second pick? Let's say you had one of the very first picks in the draft and you took Christian McCaffrey, followed by Jalen Waddell late in the second round. Christian McCaffrey gives you over 10 points advantage on a typical week when he's not injured. But you may want to factor in uh, that he does get injured more often than your typical star player. He's missed significant amounts of, of his seasons uh, for the last few years. This last year being an outlier where he was able to play the vast majority of, of the season. Jalen Waddell is uh, fairly consistent, and there's no reason to predict injury for him. Uh, he should get several points advantage on a typical week versus your average starting wide receiver. Depending on the draft, we may approach 
the running back dead zone here. Um, so we'll talk about this more, but typically in rounds four, five, six, studies have been done that show that running backs drafted in this range over the last five to ten years uh, don't pay off compared to the price you pay in order to draft them. If that's the case and we're getting towards that running back dead zone, maybe around the 16th ranked running back, we may be better served to fill up our starting wide receiver spots and or our quarterback tight end spots first because we may be getting much greater value, better positional advantage versus reaching for a running back after all of the best running backs have been taken. Mark Andrews is an excellent target in the middle of the third round or later. He's shown that he has the upside to set himself apart from the other tight ends outside of Travis Kelsey. And after the first few tight ends, there really isn't much of a difference between the fifth-ranked tight end and the 15th-ranked tight end. My guess is if you have an early third round pick in this situation, the best bet would be to pair another wide receiver with Jalen Waddell to give yourself a shot at two breakout wide receivers. In this range, I like Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Chris Olave in that order. In this situation, you would be picking towards the end of the fourth round, and you would want to look for a player with value, uh, players who should have been drafted by this point and are still available, that fills a spot in your starting lineup. At this point, if you like one of the top five or six quarterbacks, now is probably the time to take them. Uh, might be your last chance if you're hoping to get Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson. Otherwise, you most likely be looking to fill a wide receiver or a running back spot in your flex. Don't be afraid to fill your flex before you get your second running back or wide receiver. So if you're in round four and you've taken two receivers already and one running back and you're looking at the available players and the best value on the, on the board by far is a wide receiver, go ahead and take that third wide receiver. He still has a starting spot in the lineup in your flex spot, and this will only give you more depth at the wide receiver position in case you have an injury to one of your top two guys or your third wide receiver picked. Let's say you picked middle to late first round and drafted Jonathan Taylor, followed by C.D. Lamb in the second round. Both excellent players. Now you have a running back and a receiver to build your team upon. Jonathan Taylor should give you a consistent, above-average production. C.D. Lamb should give you some weak-winning performances for the most part. Last year, C.D. Lamb had four bad games, three average games, and nine games with over 14.5 points. So this means about every other game, he's giving you a performance that should lead to victory as long as the rest of your team is consistent and good. By this point, we are likely in the running back dead zone, which we talked about. I like Mark Andrews, Chris Olave, if that's the case. If you feel strongly about one of those top quarterbacks, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, 
The third round may be your opportunity to take them. If not, you may be able to get them early in the fourth or go to your next tier of quarterbacks in Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. If you still want to draft a running back, there's a compelling case for a few guys. Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Travis Etienne. Joe Mixon, after some offseason drama this year, all signs point that Mixon will return to the Bengals. If that's the case, he should be the featured running back on an excellent offense and could be the steal of the draft. Joe Mixon's 27, should be in the last year or last few years of his prime. And so there's a case to be made that he is an excellent value around the top 30 or so picks. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has been a top 12 running back the last four seasons in a row. Why is he being drafted so low? One factor, the Packers lost their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Typically, a running back's fantasy production will be correlated to the offense's success. So more touchdowns to go around, more yards, more first downs means that the running back is going to have more opportunities to score fantasy points. So the question really is, will the Packers struggle on offense this year? And would that reduce Jones's productivity? Or will the same old dependable Aaron Jones show up again and do what he does? There's a case to be made that he will, and so he may be good value in this range. Jones is turning 29 this season, so age does start to become a consideration. Running backs don't have as long of a shelf life. They take a pounding, and so oftentimes their careers do end quickly and abruptly at a younger age than most positions. Travis Etienne had his breakout towards the end of last season, so there is a little bit of unknown with him. We saw a stretch of five games towards the end of the season last year where he was the running back 14, so 14th ranked running back, and that was weeks 14 to 18. So this was the last we saw of him, and he looked great. He looked like he could definitely have a breakout on, on the way. And so if you feel confident about Travis Etienne, the Jaguars' offense should be improving. They, they'll be getting Calvin Ridley, wide receiver back, and continued continuity with Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, not to mention the possibility that Trevor Lawrence continues to improve, which I would expect. If you like that situation, feel free, by all means, Travis Etienne in the maybe 35 to 45 range. Now let's say you drafted two running backs to start your draft. Maybe Bijan Robinson and Nick Chubb. So this is great. If the value is there, I love starting with two running backs. Hopefully one or both of these guys is a league winner for your team. And even if one guy underperforms, hopefully he's consistent and good enough to fill one of your starting running back spots for most weeks of the year, giving you the ability to focus on other positions. Refer to your rankings, look for value. The world is your oyster. Since you have your running back one and two, we need to fill the rest of our starting lineup with the best available players. If there's a screaming deal on running back, still feel free to draft them, put them in the flex position, 
and get that additional depth at the running back position. But just know that if you do that, then you are going to have to prioritize wide receiver, tight end, quarterback for the next few rounds. When I take a running back with my first two picks, I usually do so uh, hoping that one of them will give me weak winning uh, performances somewhat consistently throughout the season. If that's the case, I don't necessarily have as great a need for a high risk, high reward wide receiver. So I would be targeting wide receivers that I believe will consistently produce above average weeks. So maybe in the range of 13 to 15 plus points per week to give my team a more consistent baseline, which allows my running backs to quote unquote, win you the week when they have a huge game. So you have your baseline and this applies to all other positions. You're hoping that your baseline is above kind of the league averages baseline so that your star players can step in and win you the week. Let's say you drafted two wide receivers with your first two picks, say Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs. It's a bold strategy, but let's see if it pays off. Last year in one of my main leagues, I drafted three wide receivers, tight end and quarterback with my first five picks and actually had a phenomenal season and, and won a championship. Like we've talked about, the third round is where roster construction really starts to come into play. Did you draft a high variance elite running back with your first pick and a high floor wide receiver with your second pick? Let's say you had one of the very first picks in the draft and you took Christian McCaffrey, followed by Jalen Waddell late in the second round. Christian McCaffrey gives you over 10 points advantage on a typical week when he's not injured. But you may want to factor in uh, that he does get injured more often than your typical star player. He's missed significant amounts of, of his seasons uh, for the last few years. This last year being an outlier where he was able to play the vast majority of, of the season. Jalen Waddell is con uh, fairly consistent and there's no reason to predict injury for him. Uh, he should get several points advantage on a typical week versus your average starting wide receiver. Depending on the draft, we may approach the running back dead zone here. Um, so we'll talk about this more, but typically in rounds four, five, six, studies have been done that show that running backs drafted in this range over the last five to 10 years uh, don't pay off compared to the price you pay in order to draft them. If that's the case and we're getting towards that running back dead zone, maybe around the 16th ranked running back, we may be better served to fill up our starting wide receiver spots and or our quarterback tight end spots first because we may be getting much greater value, better positional advantage versus reaching for a running back after all of the best running backs have been taken. Mark Andrews is an excellent target in the middle of the third round or later. He's shown that he has the upside to set himself apart from the other tight ends outside of Travis Kelsey. And after the first few tight ends, 
there really isn't much of a difference between the fifth-ranked tight end and the 15th-ranked tight end. My guess is if you have an early third-round pick in this situation, the best bet would be to pair another wide receiver with Jalen Waddell to give yourself a shot at two breakout wide receivers. In this range, I like Garrett Wilson, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Chris Olave in that order. In this situation, you would be picking towards the end of the fourth round, and you would want to look for a player with value, uh, players who should have been drafted by this point and are still available, that fills a spot in your starting lineup. At this point, if you like one of the top five or six quarterbacks, now is probably the time to take them. Uh, Might be your last chance if you're hoping to get Joe Burrow or Lamar Jackson. Otherwise, you most likely be looking to fill a wide receiver or a running back spot in your flex. Don't be afraid to fill your flex before you get your second running back or wide receiver. So if you're in round four and you've taken two receivers already and one running back and you're looking at the available players and the best value on the, on the board by far is a wide receiver, Go ahead and take that third wide receiver. He still has a starting spot in the lineup in your flex spot, and this will only give you more depth at the wide receiver position in case you have an injury to one of your top two guys or your third wide receiver picked. Let's say you picked middle to late first round and drafted Jonathan Taylor, followed by C.D. Lamb in the second round. Both excellent players. Now you have a running back and a receiver to build your team upon. Jonathan Taylor should give you a consistent, above-average production. CeeDee Lamb should give you some weak-winning performances for the most part. Last year, CeeDee Lamb had four bad games, three average games, and nine games with over 14.5 points. So this means about every other game, he's giving you a performance that should lead to victory as long as the rest of your team is consistent and good. By this point, we are likely in the running back dead zone, which we talked about. I like Mark Andrews, Chris Olave, if that's the case. If you feel strongly about one of those top quarterbacks, Mahomes, Allen, Hurts, the third round may be your opportunity to take them. If not, you may be able to get them early in the fourth or go to your next tier of quarterbacks in Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. If you still want to draft a running back, there's a compelling case for a few guys. Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Travis Etienne. Joe Mixon, after some off-season drama this year, all signs point that Mixon will return to the Bengals. If that's the case, he should be the featured running back on an excellent offense and could be the steal of the draft. Joe Mixon's 27, should be in the last year or last few years of his prime, and so there's a case to be made that he is an excellent value around the top 30 or so picks. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones has been a top 12 running back the last four seasons in a row. Why is he being drafted so low? One factor, the Packers lost their quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, 
Typically, a running back's fantasy production will be correlated to the offense's success. So more touchdowns to go around, more yards, more first downs means that the running back is going to have more opportunities to score fantasy points. So the question really is, will the Packers struggle on offense this year? And would that reduce Jones's productivity? Or will the same old dependable Aaron Jones show up again and do what he does? There's a case to be made that he will, and so he may be good value in this range. Jones is turning 29 this season, so age does start to become a consideration. Running backs don't have as long of a shelf life. They take a pounding, and so oftentimes their careers do end quickly and abruptly at a younger age than most positions. Travis Etienne had his breakout towards the end of last season, so there is a little bit of unknown with him. We saw a stretch of five games towards the end of the season last year where he was the running back 14, so 14th ranked running back, and that was weeks 14 to 18. So this was the last we saw of him, and he looked great. He looked like he could definitely have a breakout on on the way. And so if you feel confident about Travis Etienne, the Jaguars' offense should be improving. They'll be getting Calvin Ridley, wide receiver back, and continued continuity with Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram, not to mention the possibility that Trevor Lawrence continues to improve, which I would expect. If you like that situation, feel free, by all means, Travis Etienne in the maybe 35 to 45 range. Now let's say you drafted two running backs to start your draft. Maybe Bijan Robinson and Nick Chubb. So this is great. If the value is there, I love starting with two running backs. Hopefully one or both of these guys is a league winner for your team. And even if one guy underperforms, Hopefully he's consistent and good enough to fill one of your starting running back spots for most weeks of the year, giving you the ability to focus on other positions. Refer to your rankings, look for value. The world is your oyster. Since you have your running back one and two, we need to fill the rest of our starting lineup with the best available players. If there's a screaming deal on running back, still feel free to draft them, put them in the flex position, and get that additional depth at the running back position. But just know that if you do that, then you are going to have to prioritize wide receiver, tight end, quarterback for the next few rounds. When I take a running back with my first two picks, I usually do so uh, hoping that one of them will give me weak winning uh, performances somewhat consistently throughout the season. If that's the case, I don't necessarily have as great a need for a high-risk, high-reward wide receiver. So I would be targeting wide receivers that I believe will consistently produce above average weeks, so maybe in the range of 13 to 15 plus points per week, to give my team a more consistent baseline, which allows my running backs to quote-unquote win you the week when they have a huge game. So you have your baseline, and this applies to all other positions. You're hoping that your baseline is above kind of the league average's baseline, 
so that your star players can step in and win you the week. Let's say you drafted two wide receivers with your first two picks. Say, Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs. It's a bold strategy, but let's see if it pays off. Last year, in one of my main leagues, I drafted three wide receivers, tight end, and quarterback with my first five picks and actually had a phenomenal season and, and won a championship. It can be done. What you want to do in this position is not get desperate and take a running back before you should just because you're nervous that they will all be taken. Be patient. If there is value at running back, quarterback, tight end, go there. If a wide receiver is still massively underdrafted, you can absolutely grab a third wide receiver as long as you fill up the rest of your starting lineup in the next four or five rounds. Similar to the two running back start, I would focus on consistent above average production if I'm taking a running back in this position. I would be less likely to draft ETN, for example, and more likely to draft Aaron Jones or Ramondre Stevenson if he were to fall to that range. Reason for that, ETN, while, while he is seemingly ascending, the sample size isn't there enough for me to say, to say confidently that he is going to be that solid foundational piece. I would much rather have Aaron Jones, who has been a top 12 running back. Maybe he won't be top one or top three, but he gives me that baseline like I was talking about. So Cooper Cup and Stefan Diggs can have excellent weeks every so often and win me those weeks. Now, let's say you took Travis Kelsey in the first round. That's excellent. Typically, Kelsey is going to give you a major positional advantage at the tight end position. Barring injury, he should give you a good number of winning weeks. You will likely be looking to fill in your starting running back and wide receiver spots uh, with one exception. But look for value and think strategically about who you want to pair with the wide receiver or running back you picked alongside Kelsey. Since round three and four will essentially be your second and third pick when it pertains to running back and receiver, continue to look for value and take the best available player. So I mentioned there was one exception, and here it is, Patrick Mahomes. This is known as a stack. So if you got Travis Kelsey in the first round, and you take Patrick Mahomes either in the second round or possibly early third round. A stack is when you draft two or more players from the same team who complement each other. This can be a league-winning move if you get it right. It also carries a bit more risk. The risky part may seem obvious. What if Patrick Mahomes gets hurt and Travis Kelsey doesn't give you the positional advantage that you thought you were getting? If that happens, you just wasted two of your first two or three picks, and there is little to no shot that you will win the championship. There is also always the possibility that one or both players has a down year, which would likely affect the other. The reward part of all of this, you might be setting yourself up for a championship run. On weeks where Mahomes has big day passing and Kelsey gets a large amount of the, the, the receptions, which happens a lot, uh, I feel bad for the rest of your league. On weeks like these, 
you double dip essentially by getting the Mahomes points and the Travis Kelsey points for every reception, yard, touchdown, that goes to him. If they have a few a few of these weeks towards the end of the season, it may just win you your fantasy championship. Then in rounds four through eight, it's going to be a continuation of what we're already discussing with round three. We're going to look at who we have on our team. We're going to look at who's available and where there's value and what starting positions we need to fill on our roster. So you may have two running backs and a receiver at this point. Now we need to fill the tight end spot, the quarterback spot, an additional receiver, and a flex spot. Same goes for any other type of first three round start. We need to look at what those available starting positions are and start to prioritize those and continue looking for value. So if I have my two running backs and one receiver, I'm looking at who's available still 30 or 36 picks in and where I'm picking next and then ranking who's available to see who I might be selecting. Typically, difference-making running backs are not found in rounds four through six. I'm not completely sure why, but I believe this is a result of so many running backs going early. So the players left in this range are typically not worth the price that you're paying. If you don't have two starting running backs at this point, don't panic. Look for opportunities to find value in the position over the next four rounds. Once you get to round eight, you should be filling in your last starting spot. Make sure that you then take the opportunity to assess your team again and look at where there might be weaknesses in your starting lineup so that you can fill in any gaps with additional risk reward, uh, picking players with high upside, and when necessary, picking players with a high floor who should be dependable but may not have the upside if some of your early round picks were say riskier and you need a backup option who will be more consistent just in case that player gets injured or something happens all right so let's recap in the first two rounds we're taking best player available if we can help it Let's fill our running back spots first, but ultimately rounds three through eight are gonna be determined by who's available to us in rounds one and two. We talked about positional advantage, roster construction, and then we discussed how you can start to build your roster based on the first two picks. So if your first two picks are running backs, you're going to fill the rest of your starting roster spots before getting additional running backs, unless there is incredible value, in which case you may fill your flex spot with a running back and follow that up with the rest of your starting positions, quarterback, tight end, wide receiver. We talked about Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes being taken early on in the the draft this year and how that might affect the availability of running backs and receivers. We talked about running back dead zone, rounds four, five, six, where historically running backs do not return the the amount of value that they should given 
the draft capital you spend on them in rounds four, five, and six. And if you can get your starting roster solidified as soon as possible by round eight, that should help you have a well-rounded roster. And then we can focus on filling in depth for different positions in rounds nine through 14. Ultimately, you will have more success with your fantasy draft if you think about it in this way. So by starting with two of the most highly valuable players that you can possibly draft, and then thinking about how you fill your starting roster to make it as well-rounded as possible, will set you up to be able to take some high-risk, high-reward guys in the later rounds, and ultimately have a safe floor so that at very least, you shouldn't be finishing at the bottom of your league. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let the Boys Watch Football. If you like the podcast, please subscribe, like, and tell your friends. Follow us on Instagram at ltbwfootball, all one word, to stay engaged throughout the week. Have a great week, and see you next time.